Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. But I am going into Racket later to uh, to do a bit of filming. Filming. Mm. Where I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk the viewers around the basement. Yeah. Having walked them around the uh, the loft last time. Right. Are you doing it a floor at a time? Yes, exactly. And you're missing out the middle because that's where Frenchie is. <laughs> uh, um, no, Frenchie's off to one side, and I'm not just talking about his proclivities. <laughs> Can you spell proclivities? Can you spell nasturtiums for that matter? I can. Next question. Can you? <laughs> I can't spell nasturtium. Of course you can. It's just urtium, I think. N a s t u r t nasturtium. I u m. I could be wrong. Have you got any in your garden? No, not at the moment. But I do love a nasturtium. I'm very right. fond of them, and uh, I don't think they're. Um, Perennials, um, maybe they are if the weather's warm enough. But like down in the West Country, I think you can get a nasturtium through the uh, winter. But right. um, I've not got a nasturtium through the winter yet. We're in the village here. So I usually right. end up buying a few down the garden centre and banging them in. Um, but I do like a nasturtium and I, 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 I really like eating the little... Uh, the little seedy things that they um, they jettison um, once they've flowered that are like mustard hot and blow your head off. Have you ever had those? No. Oh, man, if you see a nasturtium kicking about amongst the hedgerows of a Heckman Dwight, you should just have a have a ferret about underneath for the little, um, little beanie seedy things that they produce because they're a little bit like horseradish. Um, you know they're really hot, and they, they 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 find that place at the top of your head, and I find them strangely compelling. Right. So if I see a nasturtium while I'm out and about, I will usually eat it. Um, the leaves are also edible, and the flowers are very nice in a salad, and they're just ever so slightly mustardy. I think we should do a foraging episode. <laughs> I know. I think we should. Yeah. I'm a keen forager, except that it doesn't always go well and I occasionally end up in A&E. Okay, well, I might let you you do the sampling. <laughs> I, might, I might document the event rather than take part. <laughs> Last time I foraged, I was out with Lilenta and Vibes and um, we were walking through the, the woods and I spotted these these little things growing on the ground. I said, oh, they have these in the Channel Island, the taste of apple. Um, and uh, so I, du- I duly picked a few leaves up and chomped on them and uh, it wasn't them. And all my lips started burning um, whilst uh, Lynette sighed heavily and uh, Vibes hasn't shut up about it much since. About my 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 cavalier attitude towards flora and fauna, and you'd think I would have learnt, wouldn't you? After the apples, it, absolutely after the apples. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where does that come from then? Because that that when I was growing up, mm. I mean, and I grew up not far from you. That wasn't a that wasn't a thing. I can't see that was a Donny thing, was it? What going about and just eating things you find growing around. Yeah. It might have been my dad. He was that kind of a person. You know, he would, uh, he was sort of, he was full of uh, 
you may not know this, but you can eat that. And I go, oh, you, you're lying. Any guy, you can. And, I, and, and um, you know, so it might be from him. Right. Can I, I, just apropos of nothing, can I congratulate you on your Scottish accent from last week? I should have done in the episode. <laughs> Which one? It was... It was tremendous. You did this. You, you talked about the, the obviously growing up in a Glaswegian band, and you did this Scottish accent, which I have to say didn't sound like it sounded like a kind of a a, a, a Scottish female shopkeeper, you know, that Ooh. that was in the Highlands maybe and had a little shop uh, that was also the post office. My son does the sound for Ted Nugent. That's what, exactly that. Kind that. Of a <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was great, and we. We've never really properly discussed. You do have a thing for accents, don't you? Well, I, 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 I'm not good at them, but I have a thing for them. Oh no, yeah. you are. I will dive into one willy nilly. But uh, see, I, I think you are. I was. Ab- I actually think you are. I was abused for my Australian accent uh, on on a message I got in the week. By, uh, yeah, well, that was fairly shocking. Yeah, I think because I call Australia. Yeah, and. My, you, fall, you fall into those traps, don't you? And I tend to say, <laughs> strike a light. Well, Christ, strike a light. Um, truth. Or, truth. she did that to you. She did that to me as well. Yeah, yeah your Australian doesn't pass, pass muster. But a lot, a lot of your local ones... <laughs> You know, you, I thought your Scottish was good. You've got a, a, a nice Irish kind of thing going on. The Welsh is is tremendous. <laughs> the Welsh is tremendous. Well, you just lower your voice to do the Welsh, and then you've got that kind of West Country thing going on, and 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 you slip into Scouse at the drop of a hat. Oh, the Scouse is. I, I can only do a certain kind of Scouser. I can't do the soft-spoken, you know, poetic scouser, but I can do the yay, Steve Gerrard, can you? Down the road, please. I can do that. (laughs) All right. All right, Sage. I can do the bus driving scouser. Right. If you were slightly more famous, you'd be doing these on Parky, wouldn't you? (laughs) Or Graham Norton. I'd be going on with a jug of gin. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd feel the need to live up to Ollie Reid, I think, if I did a chat show. Yeah. But they do that on chat shows. They ask the fa- they ask the Hollywood person who they know can do an impression of, and then the crowd go wild because the Hollywood person does a passable impression of normally Sean Connery, isn't it? Right, yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. She says she does. You don't really know, do you? She says one thing, does another half a time. That one, that's a good one from a Texan. <laughs> if you can get a Texan to do that. <laughs> anyway, anyway, shall we start? <laughs> have we not started? Well, yes. You're we gone. Have, but shall we? We'll ease shall we shove, shove in. The, chuck the thing in. Let's chuck the thing in. You ready? Yeah. Yep. It's 162, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> you sure? Yep. Hello and welcome to chapter 162 of the Corona Diaries. <laughs> oh, my earbud shot out with the, the, the force of the exhalation. <laughs> yes, that was a bit mean of me there, making you hold your breath for like what seemed like a minute. I need to hold my hands up to something. Um, I made an executive editorial decision last week that was a pile of shit. Ah, well done. Because um, I, I took you read you read a load of diary, and I, I messaged you and said, "All oh, episodes running a bit longer, and when they take a page diary out, don't think we need it. We can use it next week." Right. Which is fine, except it was the bit all about your teeth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So. The time to break Last your week, teeth is not on a Sunday in the foothills of the Andes. That, that's a no, fact. it's not. And, of course, that's when you're always going to do it. Or or on day one of a national lockdown. I did. <laughs> so, consequently, we, asked, we answered the question about your teeth last week. <laughs> and, then you, and then it wasn't there. <laughs> and then it wasn't there. <laughs> So what I'm going to suggest, I'm going to suggest something really unusual. I'm going to suggest that we go to diary now. Good God. 
right now, right. just for that one bit that's already yeah. been recorded. Okay, then. Just just to remind everybody and get that out of the way, and then we'll do the other diary bit a bit later on. Is that all right with you? Yeah, everything's all right with me, Anthony. Right, okay. You should so we're going to go for a bit of diary, which was recorded for last week, but then edited out by me, incorrectly. <laughs> by a But you can have now. Right. Right. Here it comes, then. Oh, we don't need to put the music in this time, then. Ouch! As he breaks his teeth off on the Nescafe. Sunday, 21st of October. Santiago, Lima, Caracas. Travel day. Up at ten and thought I'd make myself a nice cup of coffee before Skyping home. Big mistake. Couldn't get the sachet of Nescafe open and pulled a bit too hard with my teeth, breaking one of my front veneers clean in half. Not painful, just cosmetic or anti-cosmetic. I gathered up the broken veneer and went off in search of the crew. I thought I could try and superglue it in. Found Pete Harwood and Phil Brown in the breakfast room and Pete said he had some superglue and went off to get it. What a star. I returned to my room and on the second attempt managed to glue it back on without ingesting too much cyanoacrylate. Skyped home then returned to the diary. I don't have to leave till three, so I split the day between listening to my Danish language course and emptying my suitcase and ironing everything and putting it back. Well, I might as well use the iron after all the grief I had getting one. Elle Skyped around 2.30 for vibes to say night-night. It's great that we can do this. When Sophie and Nile were small, I simply used to vanish for weeks. It was rotten. It's much easier these days. Still hard, but not as bad as in the 90s when there were no mobiles to text from, only insanely expensive hotel landlines. Sometimes things weren't better in the old days. I ordered a seafood soup on room service, which was lovely, before finishing packing. Four bottles of red wine now in my suitcase, I hope none of them break, and meeting up with everyone in the lobby. Back once again into the van and off to the airport. Never had chance to say a proper goodbye to Baffo and Renaton. Didn't realise they weren't coming with us. Should have thought. It's a different promoter in Caracas. So, I'm up to date. I'm writing this on the second flight. It took an age to check into Santiago. They just seemed to have no system and no idea. Bought myself a T-shirt and vibes also, with Chilean flags on. Finally boarded the A320 up to Lima and had to get off the bus in Lima and back onto the plane to get the T-shirts I'd forgotten in the overhead locker. Tried on a fur hat made out of llama wool in the airport. It was for Sophie, but it buried me and it was 75 US dollars, so I declined. The onward flight to Caracas is a little thing an Embraer A190 jet. Never heard of them. And I'm sitting here juddering along. The laptop battery is about to give up and I might as well have a little nap. Still two hours to go. Landed at 2am and managed to get through immigration at Caracas without too much fuss. The bags took a while to come through and then we had to endure the one-hour wait while customs haggled over what they might decide to charge the promoter in tax for us to enter the country. Venezuela may have again elected Hugo Chavez under the impression that he's their best bet, but I can't help thinking, with no political bias whatsoever, in fact with an instinctive social bias, that he is going to run this country into the ground. Everywhere there are people with jobs who do nothing and have no reason to care. I'm not saying capitalism is the solution either, but maybe some kind of Dutch capitalism, fairly high taxes, care for the poor, 
money spent on the arts, great public transport system, no Lamborghinis in evidence on the streets of the cities is as good a society as anyone's going to come up with. We can learn a little from the USA, just as we can learn a little from Russia, Cuba and Venezuela. England would perhaps be okay if we could banish private education and the class system which relies on it. But having travelled far and wide these past 30 years, I've learned that if you want to create a good and fair society, you'd do well to imitate Holland. We finally were allowed to leave the airport around four, which I'd already told Lynetta would probably be the case, and we rattled into Caracas in an old bus which gave me asthma arriving in the hotel around 5.30am. Skyped home and went to bed around 6.30. And we're back! I love, I love your capacity for throwing a curve, Anthony. It never, never ceases to give me a little thrill. I do tend to do that, don't I? It's lovely. It's like I, I, I do make it up as I go along, this. No, life's about that curve. If nobody's chucking a curve, what would life be? What would life be, indeed? So, anyway, you've now heard the diary bit that you hadn't heard last week, and then we went on to talk about your teeth. And, obviously, we've talked about your teeth and the fact that we kind of agreed that putting superglue in your mouth is not a good idea. Well, that's debatable. Provided it doesn't stick your mouth together. I think that's what we oh, left I see. with. Yeah, yeah. If it yeah. sticks your lips together, you're in a tight spot. But on the back of bits of diary I didn't pick up on last week, because actually there was loads, um, part of the problem in doing this is that when I go out and listen to it before it goes live, mm-hmm. um, I hear all the questions I should have asked you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a week passes and I forget them all again. Yeah. Yeah, like dreams. <laughs> oh, I had a lot of interesting thoughts. Well, song lyrics are a bit like that. I often get, I often, you know, become inspired or or Kazi and inspired, and then can never remember. You know, if 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 they're not written down or sung into some kind of dictaphone immediately, then uh, they're gone. You know, when mm. you need them. So. What mm. that does is that brings us back to two things. One from last week that you haven't heard again, one that you, you have. First one is, tell me about this fur hat that you nearly bought for Sophie. Oh, that was on sale in the airport. Yeah, we changed planes. I think we were in Lima in Peru on our way, en route to down to Venezuela or up to Venezuela. Was it up to Venezuela? To Venezuela, up, down or sideways to Venezuela. Um, and... There was this really interesting... You know, airport shops are usually pretty similar, aren't they? And you have the duty-freeze and all the smellies and whatnot, and then you usually have a shop that's selling a couple of T-shirts. And But then this one shop was a bit different, you know, because it was much more sort of third world and it had lots of kind of funky Peruvian shit on sale, um, including this fur, fur hat made out of llama fur. And I thought, well, if that's not a souvenir of being in Peru, I don't know what is. So I went in and said, um, the llama fur hat, how much is that? And they said, $75. And I went, holy shit, that's quite expensive. Let me try it on. And I tried it on, it just fell over my head. And I thought, well, I don't know anybody really with a sufficiently big head for this to be a good present for apart from Rothers, and I'm not in the habit of buying him fur hats. <laughs> oh, I... hang on, though. <laughs> I've now got Rothers in. You know the one of the Russian fur hats? Exactly, the big sable hat. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's... Oh, that would so root. It's root, so suit Rothers, that. Root, yeah. Root, well, Sothers, suit Rothers. That's what Bobby Gillespie had on when he said, excuse me, would either of you gentlemen... Be in possession of any narcotics uh, when we were in Japan, and it was forty degrees on the street. He was wearing one of those, um, but yeah, it would suit Rothers. It would suit Rothers. It would. It would. He would look. I mean, he would look like a bear, wouldn't he? 
I think he'd have a proper kind of Politburo look about him. <laughs> he honestly, he's got the look of one of those people stood behind the president in that big parade. Not president. Yeah, what I know what you mean. A certain gravitas. Yeah. Yeah. A certain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think they're called shapkas, you know. Ah, who are those blokes who stand behind the president? <laughs> no, the hat. Oh, the hat. The shapka. I think in Russian it's a shapka. Oh, well, I've, I'm glad I got up this morning now to have learned that. Hmm. I wonder if they wear them in Kamchatka. <sighs> and then back onto the other question <laughs> I didn't ask from last week. Yeah. Because I sh- and, and and it was not really a question. It's more I need to bow down in homage to a great piece of writing. The bit in the diary where you described the bellboy who was stood checking his spots in your mirror. <laughs> that was a really odd moment. I'd forgotten all about it till I read it. <laughs> Victoria Wood would have been proud of that, <laughs> would she? It wasn't yes. odd. All I, all I wanted was an iron and an ironing board. And, oh, my God, that ran and ran. And then that guy turned up without one. And then when I asked him, you know, it, it, then he phoned reception. And then he didn't leave. And I, and I didn't know what he was waiting for. And he wasn't saying. And he just sort of stood there. You know, and you kind of feel like saying, well, you, off you go then. <laughs> But I didn't like to, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe he knows. Maybe something incredible's about to happen. <laughs> maybe there's a marching band coming through, you know, care of the promoter, because rock and roll promoters like to surprise you with treats now and again. So I was just wondering what he was about to usher in, but he just stood about, and he was actually checking his face for spots in the. In the wardrobe mirror. And I was sort of sitting there thinking, oh, this is interesting. I will write this down. And I I did. Well, I thought it was beautiful. (laughs) I thought it was absolutely beautiful. And I should have mentioned it last week, and it was only when I heard it again I thought, that's that's a lovely piece of writing, that. Really evocative. Ah, Well, thank you. Well, to this day, I don't know what he wanted. Or, or why he was hanging about. Maybe he was waiting for a hefty tip. Or, 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 or I can't think of anything else. Right. Maybe it was his first day and someone on reception had said, hang on a minute, and he'd taken it literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, that then explains why, in the, ne- the, 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 the later, the next day, you ironed things to put back in your case just because it had taken such a long time for the iron to arrive. Yeah. No, I was I, I went into a frenzy of ironing, um, you know, because I, I've, I think on, at that moment I understood the joy of ironing and, and the, the great blessing that had been bestowed upon me by having an iron that actually got hot when you plugged it in. Because I think that I think they'd sent me one that didn't, which was probably what what caused a lot of confusion. Because they'd probably got a box ticked on reception that said "room blah 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 has got an iron now," and they probably kept looking at the box going, "But he's got one," and I'd probably said it doesn't get hot, and they'd probably, being Peruvian, thought no. Peruvian, Venezuelan, no, Chilean. Being Chilean, they'd probably not quite got the finer details of it's not getting hot. And so I kept phoning up asking for another iron, which kept not arriving. And then the the boy arrived to find out why the iron wasn't getting hot, Uh, concluded that it wasn't getting hot, and then uh, stood about. So it was. So by the time I had actually got an ironing board and an iron that were working, I was so chuffed. Um, you know, I felt like I'd arrived in the first world, and I thought I'd take full advantage. Admirable effort. Admirable effort. Well, you've also just said something there that I'm, I can't leave hanging, which is rock and roll promoters sometimes surprise you with treats and gifts. 
Well, they do sometimes, you know. They do, they do. I don't mean, you know, marching bands or hookers. Mind you. No, I don't mean marching bands or hookers. Or even a combination of the two. <laughs> marching hookers. <laughs> um, no, no, that, that, that hasn't doesn't happen but although i've heard it said and um yeah they sometimes they'll bung you a nice uh, bottle of champagne on ice you know and you'll get a little knock on the door and someone will be holding out something nice um that happened to me actually in uh, montreal um, a couple of weeks ago the um, but that wasn't the promoter because well we didn't have one it was us but the um the management of the hotel had, had, had rumbled somehow that it was my birthday. Uh, I think because someone had come into reception and left something for me that said happy birthday on it. And so they brought me up a little bottle of champagne, compliments to the management staff, you know, by way of a happy birthday, which was really thoughtful and sweet of them. So you, so you do occasionally. I mean, when when I first went to Rio in 1990, I couldn't get into my room for flowers. I mean, it was just incredible. Fruit and flowers everywhere um, with little cards in saying, welcome to Rio from the promoter and welcome to Rio from the hotel management and welcome to Rio from various, you know, random folk. So that was incredible. Uh, so you do sometimes get... Little gifts. Lovely. Well, I feel I feel we've kind of totally drawn a line under last week now. For all the, the technical challenges and for the for the editorial uh, missteps and for the missed questions, I feel we've kind of arrived at completeness. Good. Good, good. Well, I can only repeat, never open sachets of cheese or coffee with your teeth it's it, it seems like the most natural thing in the world to do but it can lead to misery mm. i think we've pretty much agreed on that yes. yes right so picking up our very 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 slow ramble around mm-hmm. fear Oh yes, yeah. I remember um, that. Which which seems <laughs> to just drop in every once in a while and drops back. Yeah. We did start talking about mm. El Dorado, and we started to talk about the English Wall Garden bit at the beginning. Yes, yes, yes. We... Um, shall we move on to the rest of the tune? Linus has been exposing that wall again this week because it it's uh, it was all covered in ivy, and she's got a red hatred of ivy. So she's been out there with the screwdrivers and the back ends of hammers, uh, prizing it all off to reveal the stone wall a bit better. So I just thought I'd mention that because it's topical. But moving on from um, the you, you know the weather always does, the thunder approaches, come to break the heavy weather. Yeah. Um, Thunder, you know, and lightning, and uh, I think I was in a fairly apocalyptic, not apoplectic, apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. (laughs) Well, you're on the subject of words you can't get. It was Bobby McFerrin, by the way. (laughs) Oh, it was. That was in me. Don't worry. Apoplectically, apoplectically apocalyptic. Uh, at the Acropolis. Because um, no, El Dorado's El Dorado's a great example of you being angry on because because fear came about because of this this whole kind of sense of foreboding that you'd been having for a while. Yeah, yeah. It it it, it is, was it, is it my age or is it something I was picking up in the ether? I don't know because. A fair amount of weird shit happened off the back of it, didn't it? Um, so it felt a little bit like a, a sense of, uh, a sixth sense almost of what was coming, whether that was the pandemic or whether it was 
Donald Trump being elected, um, or you know, and 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 now we've got this. Now we've got war in Europe again, which I don't think I could have even imagined. Um, four or five no, but years we kind ago. of had your, we had Russian aggression anyway, didn't we? Well, because the, yeah, they they they'd already annexed the Crimea, hadn't they? And then mm. we'd had the we'd had the stuff on the doorknobs at Salisbury and whatnot, hadn't we? And we'd had the banking crisis, and we'd and we were living through austerity. Yeah, and we and and we'd had Litvinenko poisoned in mm-hmm. the streets of London, and um, I don't know, I don't, I I don't. It was just this general sense of how the 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 pendulum was swinging to a, to kind of an arc that was at the extreme end of um, greed, money, capitalism, um, to the point where really nothing else mattered anymore in the world. Um, and and the sense that that's going to lead somewhere. Um, I think it was Jimmy Carter, the ex US president, I saw him give a lecture many years ago where he was talking about the as the gap widens between the between the, the richest and the poorest. Um historically in the world there has come a point where where there's a war. And and that that, that was happening. And and he was saying this back in the nineties. Um, and that he he had a sense of foreboding about that widening gap, uh, and the what historically has been shown to be the consequences of it. And I think maybe it was that it was just that sense that nothing matters anymore except the money, and you know we've been selling. We've been selling England by the pound. Um, I mean, it was interesting that Genesis wrote a song called Selling England by the Pound in when? 1970-something? And I wondered what they were referring to because, I mean, it's it, it's been done in, 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 in such a brazen way um, in the last couple of decades um, that, kind of all that dodgy business and selling of, of, of half of London to Russians and Arabs without ever attempting to ask where the money's coming from. You know, who cares as long as there's plenty of it. And there are those people in the world who, and they're usually banks, um, oh, no, I can't accept this £35, so, I don't, you know, if it's in cash, I don't know where it might have come from. Oh, 35 million come right this way. So the, the, there's a scale of, of wealth beyond which all the rules and the precautions seem seem to evaporate, don't they? And maybe it was all of that. Um, and it was the and it was uh, it was the refugees as well. That was that was what was really doing my nutting at that point. I was hearing about unaccompanied children not being allowed into the UK. You know, kids have got nothing um, at all. No, no nothing. No nothing. And how you could possibly justify going? Oh, we don't want them here. What what the hell happened to us? Again, that was another that was another facet of it was an illusion, but it was a it was a facet of of Englishness that I grew up with that that we were basically decent people, and that we would ex- extend a hand to to people who were worse off than us. That I, I'd grown up with that feeling, even though I'm a you know working class kid we we never really had much money there was all that always that feeling you'd help someone out if they were stuck and um to that felt 
stupidly to me to be part of Englishness and staring that, staring the denial of that in the face um, just made me feel grubby and ashamed. And I think that that drove that drove the lyric of El Dorado as well. Do you, is there something about El Dorado which is just the the penny dropping? I, I, I have a, a phrase that I always say that you have to go through complicated to get to simple. And and there's a bit of El Dorado which, which feels like almost you saying, look, all this stuff, all this crazy, crazy, awful stuff, it's just about a few people making sure that they hang on to the cash. And the rest of it's just a, a construct around. So we get angry about small boats because we're told to get angry about small boats. Not because we necessarily feel angry about small boats, but over day after day after day and drip after drip after drip, we're told to get angry about small boats. You mean we get angry about them coming here? Well, just because it's a thing we're told to get angry about because it's something to, 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 to focus and occupy our attention so we don't start asking the simple questions, which is, where the hell's the money gone? Yeah, maybe. Let's blame it on them. Let, let, let's blame the financial crisis on a few thousand people who, who arrived here without passports. It's their fault. Let's put that at the front of the Daily Mail and we can all rail against that. It's the oldest trick in the book. I mean, Hitler, Hitler played it very well. You just blame, you just, you know, you just find a section of society to blame, don't you? And it's just, it's sort of sleight of hand to some degree. Um, as you say at the beginning, the gold stops as the gold always did. Yeah. And you're just essentially saying, look, it's the money. Just it's, follow the money. It's the money. Yeah, and it's it, it, it's 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 not just the greed of a of a few people. It's it's the it's, it's the greed of it's the greed of the monkey. It's the greed that's inside us. Um, you know, none of us are innocent when it comes to, or few of us are innocent when it comes to. Um, you know, if you feel your your way of life's threatened. Suddenly, your whatever moral compass you have is is put to one side, and that becomes your first priority. I was listening to a guy on Radio Four this morning trying to argue the case that we needed to open more oil and gas fields. You know, and and he was saying, "Well, what about jobs? You know, what about the welfare of all of these people who are in that industry?" And so, you know, suddenly you start doing insane things uh, and you ignore the bigger picture and you say, oh, it's what about jobs? You know, um, and so, you know, and everybody else will think, yeah, I've just, you know, I've just put a down payment down on a BMW, I don't want to lose that. Or I've just put a down payment down on another new car. Um, you know, or I won't be able to afford to pay my mortgage if this oil field closes. You know, well, get another job. You know, um, do, do, you know, we, we're all going to be hard on yourself. Think about the planet because if you don't think, if you don't think long term, you're going to have a much bigger problem. You know, you're not going to have any air to breathe and there aren't going to be any insects anymore and there aren't going to be any plants and, you know, and the sea level's going to come up two metres. What the fuck are you going to do then? Um, try and get your priorities right, you know. You can't drive on the road if it's flooded. <laughs> if there isn't one. <laughs> if it's falling off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, at that point, a small boat's going to look like a decent option. Well, and you can't, you know, you can't solve a migrant crisis if the whole of it, if, 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 the, if most of sub-Saharan Africa is uninhabitable because no. then there'll be a, one hell of a migrant crisis, you know, and you can't blame it on, on the people who arrive on your borders. 
You can't blame it on them. You should, you know, you should be blaming yourself and doing all you can to help them. I guess. So what? When you look back on that lyric, what was worse? Was it everything that was happening, or was it the general sense of just feeling that everything you grew up with was now transparent? Yeah. Well, that. That and New Kings together, they're, they're yeah. in many ways they're like one song, but they're like two two aspects of the same thing really. One is about El Dorado is about what it's doing to me and my 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 window on the world and and, and how I feel and how that's affecting me on the day to day, um, whereas. Um, New, New Kings is it, it, it's a bit more uh, third person observing what's going on in the world, um, observing the money, and you know, and lamenting what what happened to England. Remember a time when you thought that you mattered, and all of that. Um, El Dorado is much more about what I'm seeing and. You, you know, you, you say I'm becoming harder to live with, but you can't see into my head. Um, so it's it's a little bit about the nervous breakdown as well. Um, that's much more first first person. Um, so those two things, and it, and it, and in with the kind of o, over overarching notion that it's all about fear anyway. Um, I guess even is greed about fear. It is up to a point beyond which it becomes a, a narcotic in itself, I think. Um, I mean, people only need so much money, then they don't need any more. But, but by then, they're, they're hooked. It is, it is a narcotic, isn't it? Uh, wealth and greed. Um, you gotta, you gotta wean yourself off. Well, you've got to go. You know, you've got to go cold turkey. Um, so, 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 El Dorado's really, I think, just, just about the money. I'm trying to think through the words. Um, Yeah, it's 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 the immigrants, isn't it? See myself in them, um, running from demolished lives into walls. Uh, you, you know, people who've who've seen ev- lost everything and seen their homes destroyed, only to then r- run into walls when they when they try and go somewhere. Um, I'm just feeling ashamed about the. The government, how it appears at least to to be refusing to help, and post Brexit, you know that shame just compounds because when push comes to shove, the reason people voted to leave in the in the referendum was because they'd been sold this illusion that it, it, it thre- you, you know, it, it's immigration. That's the reason you can't get a job. That's the reason um, your lifestyle hasn't improved. Nothing to do with the banks that went tits up. Nothing to do with, um, you know, a general malaise all over the world that's affected everybody. Let's blame a handful of desperate people and let's keep them out. But, you know, obviously Brexit didn't keep them out because that had nothing to do with Europe. Nothing at all to do with Europe. Quite the reverse. And it makes me so, not even angry, just... You just put your head in your hands when you turn the radio on now and 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 hear economists saying not well hear all the economists saying 
oh, well, the problem you've got in England is, is you left Europe. Well, yeah. Anyone with half a brain knew that, and uh, but unfortunately, 51% of the United Kingdom, they just had two ears and two eyes, and they, they, they listened to all the bullshit and the numbers on the side of Boris's boss and thought it was true. When it so patently wasn't, just just as they, you know, just as some people thought it'd be a good idea to invade Iraq because they'd listened to the justification for that which patently wasn't true at the time, and then twenty years later, oh, it wasn't true that, yeah, no shit. Where have you been? What have you been doing? Watching fucking soaps when you should have been had your nose in the in the air at least. Sniff what was going on. Um, it's like half the country just lives blindfolded. Um, doesn't want to know what's going on. Just just wants entertaining. But then you know you get one three word message that gets through that's been cooked up by somebody like Dominic. What's his face? You know, get Brexit done. Um, you hear that and you go, oh, I understand that. Which box do I tick? You know, it, it, We've only got ourselves to blame, really. But the job of our government is to try, I would have thought, is, is to try and consider the overall welfare of the people of the country. That's what you're there to do. Well, that's what your job is. Your job is to look after everybody if you can. But what what happened to that? You know what was Brexit about? If it was looking, if it was about looking after everybody, no, it wasn't. It was about looking after about twenty people. You know, giving them the freedom to make more money. The your your, your mates, you know, your Jacob Rees Moggs and your Nigel Farages. So they completely fucked the country for the personal gain and a bit of wiggle room to make to make more money that they don't really need. That's the way I see it. Do you think Brexit, because obviously Brexit wasn't even a word then, do you think Brexit is the culmination of the things that you were talking about in both, well, particularly in El Dorado? Well, it's a symptom of it, and it is a massive symptom, and the, the consequences are going to be massive. And what's particularly depressing is that Keir Starmer hasn't got the balls to just go, that was a colossal mistake and I'm going to pin my collars to the mast and if I get elected, we're going straight back in. Um, and it shows really, it's, it's an illustration of how thoroughly spineless and gutless he is that he hasn't done that because if he's a remotely intelligent human being, he'll know for a fact that that's what he ought to do. But they're all so bloody terrified of what the um, the oligarch newspapers are going to do to them because if if all the tabloids turn against him, he's got a problem. You know, and, and so the real power in this country increasingly doesn't come from Westminster, it comes from the press it comes from the the red tops and so all the politicians will bend over backwards forwards and sidewards to try and curry favor with them because if they if they if they get on the wrong side of them they're buggered um and perhaps that's the only reason that starmer hasn't said straight back into europe first chance we get and and so what he'll probably try and do if he gets in uh, will be to go back into Europe by stealth, you know, one one detail at a time, one one quiet negotiation at a time. Because it's only by doing that that you can have the country's interests at heart without pissing off the, the tabloids. And so if he's got any sense, that's what he'll do. Well, the way the numbers are going... The buyer's remorse around Brexit is running about 60% at the moment. If that shifts much more, the tabloids are going to have to take some notice of it because suddenly you're into 65 70% of the population. Well, I would have um, thought the tabloids will address that by just putting out more disinformation and spin. 
you know, and it'll turn back the other way again. Mm. But it's hurting people in the pocket now, isn't it? That's the that's the problem. It's become a real thing. It's gone from being a theoretical to actually a real. Yeah, I mean, you, I I remember who was it was on TV talking about the BBC, and they said we were under so much pressure to remain balanced during Bre- the Brexit debate that if we'd got twenty five economists on the phone going, this is going to wreck the country. And one saying no, it isn't. We'd have that one on the talk show opposite the opposite one of the twenty-five who said it would wreck the country, and so that was balanced. Mm. But it wasn't balanced. You know, it was quite the reverse. They were giving twenty-five times the power to the guy who said it. it you know, it wouldn't wreck the economy. Um, than, than they were giving to the guy who said it would, because the you know all the economists said it would because they knew it would and it will and it is doing and the BBC sort of conspired in that by kowtowing to the government and calling it balance, I think. I think you're probably right. We needed we needed we needed our national broadcaster to actually step up to the plate at that point. Yeah, to do its job. Uh, to to perform its raison d'etre, um, in, in, but again, you know that 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 was Iraq. You know the the Gre- Greg Dyke got fired because he wouldn't kowtow to the government, and so even though the BBC isn't supposed to be answerable to the government. You know, they they kind of taught the BBC that lesson. And then, you know, you'd got... There was this um, chairman who's now gone who was appointed for... Richard Sharp, wasn't it? Sorting Boris out of the loan. Well, not exactly sorting him out. I just introduced him to a man who could. Yeah. I remember how I got my first mortgage and was introduced to a man who could sort it out and he charged me quite a lot of money for it, as I, as I recall. <laughs> people, don't, just to, people don't do shit like that for nothing. Just to slightly <laughs> change the subject. <laughs> yeah. A thing's just pinged across my screen. Ooh, hello. Informing me that I've just had a piece of extra content from Steve Hogarth. Oh, have you now? Yes. How have I done that? Uh, well, you didn't. Oh, um, the um, the Elton Croon cast has just gone out for all the... It's never happened while we've been recording. Oh, the Croon the cast. Alton... Which one's yeah, gone the out? Alton... It's, the, it's the one that you we did last week. So oh, Spirits in the Material World. Yes. Yeah. So uh, just a quick reminder to those of you who are listening who aren't purple, and we don't talk about it very often, and we perhaps ought to mention it a bit more often. If we were any good at marketing, we'd mention it a bit more often. Yeah. Um, well, but, we'd be in um, marketing if we were any good at Well, marketing. yeah, if we were any good at marketing, <laughs> we'd, we'd be, be in marketing. We'd be earning millions. Yeah, we would, wouldn't we? Um, but there's there's a piece of extra content just gone out, about 40 minutes worth of extra content just gone out to uh, our patrons, our purples. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not purple, and you'd like to be purple, then then just uh, search up the Corona Diaries uh, on the Patreon platform, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Uh, search up the Corona Diaries. You'll find all the details. And as part of supporting the show and ensuring that it carries on going and that TCD is a thing for a long time into the future, um, you also get extra bits of, of stuff. And one of those extra bits has just landed, just landed, including... Mm. As you, as you rightly said, a, uh, a a bit of an homage to uh, to the police. Yes, yes, uh, it was the cords that did it. My, 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 um... Um, my fingers just happened to fall on. Which is a great song and a great lyric. Um, he's, uh, I think he's, I wouldn't say Sting's underrated, but I think he, he's one of those people, I guess he's a bit like Marillion, he's one of those people who, 
when when artists are asked about their influences or asked about what they listen to, they all sit on their hands rather than mention Sting or the police. And I don't know why that is, because he's a genius. He's written some amazing tunes. He's written, he's written some wonderful words. Um, and he's probably going to have to snuff it to to get the kind of critical acclaim, you know, the, to, the, to, be, to be put in that Kate Bush place, you know, where he's just revered as national treasure that mm. he really ought to have been all along. But I guess because he's, well, I was going to say because he's never tried to save the the planet, but he has, hasn't he? He well, has, the whole absolutely. thing with the rainforest. Mm. I mean, yeah, why why do people keep quiet about him? I mean, he's, he's incredible. Um, really incredible lyricist, really incredible musician. He's an incredible producer as well. He's got a really great... It, Ear, you know, for, for uh, arrangement, I think. I mean, I know Hugh Badgham has worked with him for years and um, must be given credit. But I, I've heard things that way back in the way back, I've heard things that Sting actually produced, you know, other people, and they all sounded great. Um, so he's a... I, don't, I wouldn't say he's an underrated talent because everybody knows of him. He's an almost a household name. And but he's not revered, is he? No, he's, he doesn't quite have the cachet of, you know, who would you say? Kate Bush, Van Morrison. Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, Leonard Cohen, all of these characters that they have cachet as well that Sting doesn't seem to have, and I can't imagine why he would be in any way thought inferior to, to those other talents because they're all great talents and he certainly can punch his weight alongside any of them. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and remember next time somebody asks me who I think's great. <laughs> I'm going to try and remember to say Sting as well as Daryl Hall, you know, John Lennon, Peter Gabriel and Leonard Cohen and all the people that trip off my tongue. Um, El Stingo is, you know, the governor in many, many ways. I mean, listen to uh, We Work the Black Seam together, my God. Listen to, um, well, I don't even need to tell you, do I? You know, how fragile we are. My God, what a song. So, yeah. Yeah, and li listen to if I've, if I ever lose my faith in you. I mean, what a lyric! What a bloody chorus! I remember the first time I heard that. I, you know, just having to sit down. <laughs> just uh, that's it. What's the point? Um, why carry on when people are writing? You know, and he, he seems to do it so effortlessly as well. It was it was really nice when I heard what you'd come up with because actually the last time we, when we finished talking for that one, I was half expecting Tammy Wynette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, so was I. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, there was this lovely five minutes when we finished the conversation after we finished recording, where we pretty much went through all of "Stand by Stand by Your Man" <laughs> and a bit of Dolly Parton. <laughs> So I was half expecting some of that. <laughs> Pass me the wig. I'm going in. <laughs> um, I think we should. I think we should wrap it up there. Um, yes. And do you know what? We, we're not going to put an extra bit of diary. In. We've ended up chatting for quite a long time, so we won't. We won't worry with an extra bit of diary for this week. Um, right. We've uh, we've we've put right everything we got wrong last week, and then we've had a a, a, yeah. a, bit, a very good. Well, I think we've really got into it with oh. with some of the stuff that sat behind El Dorado. Certainly. I put the world to rights, that's for sure. Yes. Um, um, so I think on the back of that, we should be allowed to go and get a cup of tea and a custard cream. We should, Anthony, and, and a jammy dodger. And a jammy dodger. Could somebody asked me at the last convention, didn't they? Lucy asked us all, if you were a biscuit, what would you be? <laughs> and I, I think I said I'd be an, a, a jammy dodger. Yes. It was the idea of somebody, you know... <laughs> putting their tongue in the middle I think that's what did it 
That takes us to how do you eat a cream egg? <laughs> and that's just filth. <laughs> it might be filth in your in your in your disturbed world, Anthony. <laughs> One man's disturbed is another man's Heckman Dwight. Right, I'll see you next time. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I'll say bye-bye now. I'm off to the racket club to uh, walk Lucy around the cellar. I remember the enchanted English walled garden. Days of summer air and honeysuckled nights, the capricious dance of lavender and cabbage whites made more than 3D, glowing in the evening long-shadowed sun. Nowhere better, but in England, although nothing really changes, the weather always does. The thunder approaches the heavy sighing of the monster. Come to break the heavy weather. Come to silence all the singing birds, tearing up the sky like paper, white welding through dark steel of clouds. And the release of the sudden rain. The gold stops us. The gold always did. The gold took more lives than uranium, than plutonium, pandemonium. Jet engines and demolition and the summer rain, like finding a lost child. The roads are travelled by many, like promises of peace. And some choose not to go. The fear looks like bravado. It always did. I see them waiting, smiling, on the borders in dawn's mist, or lost to the world in their upturned boats. I'll be free, or I'll die trying to be. I see myself in them, the people at the borders, waiting to exist again. Brothers, sisters, sons and daughters, denied our so-called golden streets, running from demolished lives into walls. The haves and the have-nothings, they accepted and rejected. We can't keep letting them in. We can't keep letting them in. The gold stops us. The gold always did. The gold took more lives than uranium, than polonium, pandemonium. And as I stand here wondering why, a man beheaded on a smartphone falls into my pocket from the sky. Modern life, everything is everywhere. Know what I mean? Handy and obscene. Fear is everywhere here. Under the patio, under the hard-earned, bought and paid-for home. Cushions, scented candles on the lawn, mowing to the beat and the rumble of the coming storm. We all know about the wars that are raging, all the millions who just cannot see. There's so much more that binds us than divides us, but our fear denies it while the papers stir it. The colours of the flags we wave were and will become blood red again 
and the madmen all say they hear voices. God tells them what to do. The wars are all about money. They always were. And the money's dressed up in religion. And when it's not showing off, the money's hiding. Oh, something is cooking inside me. It ain't ready, but already I'm becoming harder to live with. I'm becoming harder to live with. You say I'm becoming harder to live with, but you can't see into my head. You can't see into my head. And the roads are full of weapons that slide by in the night. Tanks all covered in yellow mud pass you on the motorway as you drive by with the kids and the buckets and spades. Happy days. Metal in the air. Brimstone in the lungs. Breathe deeply of it. The wind is carrying the pictures. The rain is muttering the names. The wind chimes in my garden. Ring like keys to all the stolen doors. We are the grandchildren of apes, not angels. But only we are gifted with the eyes to see. On days without fear, when our heads are clear, that angels, we could be. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>